West Bowles, welcome. Whether it's your first time joining us or you're with us every single week, truly thank you for tuning in as we are all walking together through a completely, it, totally unprecedented situation for all of us. Uh, I appreciate your patience and your prayers over the last few days as we prayerfully went about deciding to uh, not have services here. And that was done in the interest of the health and safety of our congregation. And I'd ask for your patience and prayers in the days to come. This week, I'll be meeting with the staff and meeting with the elders, and we'll prayerfully and carefully be going about the decision-making process for what the coming weeks look like, even for uh, worship services and events, activities, and ministries here at the church. So, in light of our current situation, um, we want to make sure that you are in on the updates. And so if you're not already part of an email list through a ministry or just our church-wide one or tied to us on Facebook, I'd invite you to go to our, our website, westbowls.com, where you may be watching this right now. And just in the, in the, it's a simple form, name and email. If you'll give us that information, we most likely won't sell your information to anybody else. We won't. But uh, that's, that's an easy way for us to keep you updated. We do anticipate another communication, another update coming this Wednesday. Now, one of the great benefits of the way we're meeting right now is nobody is handing you an offering plate right now. So you don't have to feel any guilt as you pass that plate down the line. But guess what? You're not escaping. I'm handing you a virtual offering plate right now. Uh, we, in light of everything going on, we still have expenses here at the church. And I don't love that, but it is our current reality. And so if you wish to contribute, uh, you can go to westbulls.com give and you can give that way. So thank you. Uh, now, as I looked around at this situation that we're in that's truly unprecedented, I thought, man, Lord, what would speak to this? And one of the things I believe he just has laid on my heart is to stay the course of what we've been talking about. And if this is your first time engaging with us, we've been going through the book of Jonah. And really, we've been talking about this idea of Jonah's run because Jonah... He, he received a word from the Lord and he ran from it. And we spent, we're six weeks down the road and we've spent six weeks getting to where Jonah was really in the first place. But with Jonah, where he's at right now, I just believe it presents an opportunity for us to think ahead a little bit. I mean, the beauty of all of this is a couple weeks ago when we heard from Brad Brady, Jonah was in a confined space. And as I look around at our situation right now, many of us, in some way, shape, or form, we are in a confined space, and it's a new normal for however long that lasts. And so with Jonah, Jonah coming out of this confined space, I would invite every single one of us to think about, and think with the end in mind, think about what it looks like when we come out of this situation. Because truth be told, yes, we're in it right now, but God may be doing some formation and God may be shaping us both individually and as a church to come out of this with a message. In fact, as we walk through Jonah chapter 3 today, as we walk through Jonah chapter 3, you're going to see that Jonah came out of that space with a message. And so as we walk through this, think, what is the message that I'm going to emerge from this with? What is the message that maybe God's word wants to, as we talked about the work that his word does, how does it want to shape us? How does it want to form us? And how does it want to bring a message through us? And as we'll see today, as we began talking about last week, God is in the business of not just bringing forth and forming messages, 
but forming his messengers as well. And so, in the span of 11 verses that we look at today, there are no less than 10 different areas, 10 different opportunities, or maybe 10 different invitations for us to stop and look in the mirror and, and consider the work his word is doing in, in us in order for us to bring forth God's message at the end of this. And so join me in Jonah chapter 3 and take a look at this first area where we're invited to consider what God's word is doing in us. This is Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. One of the first areas we could invite, he invites us to consider what he's doing in our hearts is just pay attention to the echoes. Do you notice what it said? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Too often, I think we miss the first time and we don't realize that the way his, his word operates is it comes back around again. And it's living and it's active. And even if we've heard it and heard it and heard it, and even if you grew up with it, it comes back around. And because it's living and it's active and it's dynamic, it may be taking us deeper into what he's doing in and with us and through us. But oftentimes what we, we miss it because think about an echo. When you cry out or when you yell out somewhere, in order to hear the echo, what do you have to do? You've got to be still. And I have to be still. And this, in a very real way, is a situation that has in many ways maybe slowed us down. It's, maybe gonna, it's going to put us in a different physical space. But it's an opportunity to be still and to hear the word of the Lord. We continue into Jonah, and there's a second area where we're invited to see what his word is doing. Verse 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Verse 3, and this is different than Jonah, Jonah did the first time around. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Did you catch that? Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. See, this was God saying to Jonah, Jonah, if you're my messenger, I need you to go regardless of the outcome. I need you to do what I ask and not think about the outcome. Go regardless of how it goes. And this is an opportunity for us to consider that maybe during this time, God wants to shape our hearts for a place to go or for a people to go to. And if you're anything like me, what you do is you do a deep analysis and you line out the pros and you line out the cons of, of what going means. But perhaps he's just saying, I, I, I'm not worried about your analysis. I, I'm not worried about how you think this is going to turn out. I just want you to go regardless of the outcome. What are those areas of our lives? With being home from school, maybe being home from work, is there a, a new lens through which we look at those places? Is there a new lens through which we look at the people around us? Would you go regardless of how it goes? Third area that we're invited to take a look at comes in the next verse. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey, look at this word, into the city. We've talked about this before, but with all my heart, I believe throughout Scripture, God invites people and He invites you and I to walk in the tension situations. Walk in the tension. And that's not normal for us because you know what we do? We avoid the tension. We try to fix the tension. We try to resolve the tension. 
But he says, no, walk into it, Jonah. Can you imagine Jonah walking through that city? They were a brutal, barbaric people. And Jonah is walking down the street for a day into the heart of the city. What are those tensions that we walk in that we avoid? What are those tensions that we try to get around? What are those tensions that he's asking us to faithfully walk in and not rush to a solution for? Fourth area. Coming back to verse 4, it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. This is a reminder, and this is an invitation, to refuse to speak and refuse to act until God does. I have no doubt that Jonah could not wait for that 40 days to be over, because Jonah was no fan of the Ninevites, and as we'll see in the coming weeks, His heart was not the same as God's compassionate heart for the Ninevites. And so for Jonah, he could not wait for that 40 days to get over. Many of us, in in the midst of all of this, there are going to be things that we agree with, that we disagree with, and it's going to bring words out of us. It's going to bring actions out of us that really just reflects the impatience inside every single one of our hearts. But refuse to speak and refuse to act until God does. It's one of the ways that Jonah was formed, even against his own desires and wishes. Jonah was invited to wait and see what would happen over the coming 40 days in a very real way. This could last seven days. This situation that we're in right now could last 40 days. It could last much longer. We don't know, but it's an opportunity to wait upon the Lord. And ultimately what that gets at is we have a Heavenly Father who wants us to depend on Him. Jesus had 40 days in the wilderness, and he had no food, and I imagine he had not much rest, but it was an invitation to depend, in, depend on and trust in his heavenly Father. Now, we're going to get a shift here in chapter 3, because for the last six weeks, we've been looking at this from the perspective of Jonah, but the, this next part of chapter 3 is really all about the point of view of the Ninevites. The Ninevites are on the receiving end of God's word, and not only is God's word doing something in Jonah, not only had God's word done something with the sailors back in chapter 1, but now God's word is going to do something in the hearts of the Ninevites. And it's an opportunity for us to be reminded that at the core, we're really no different than a Ninevite. We may have different cultural customs and different ways of operating, but really we're no different than Ninevites in need of God, and a people who God has a compassionate heart for. And so as we read the rest of chapter 3, think with the shoe, as if you're in the shoes of the Ninevites, and pay attention to how we're invited to consider what God's Word is doing inside of us. Chapter 3, verse 4 continues. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. No argument, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. This is an opportunity, and this is an invitation to take a look at where we've overlooked the Word of God. Did you notice this is not exactly a, a, the most inspiring message? Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And I don't know what happened, 
between the period at the end of that sentence and the beginning of the next sentence, but I imagine it was something at the heart level. The Ninevites believed God. This is definitely an opportunity for us to consider the parts of God's word that we've just overlooked. Because truth be told, there, there's so much more than the verses we consider life verses and the inspiring ones and the ones that we helicopter in on and we enjoy. For the Ninevites, it was simply that they'd be overthrown if they weren't to change and turn from their ways. As it continues in verse 6, we see a sixth area where we have an opportunity to consider the work of his word. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. See, the sixth area where we can consider what God's word is doing is to remove the barriers that we wear around. When the king removed his robe, what he was really doing was removing the symbol of his authority and his power. It reminds me of John chapter 13. It's the Last Supper, and Jesus is sitting with his disciples. And he, recognizing the authority and the power that had been given to him from his heavenly Father, Jesus got up from the table and he removed his robe. It was the symbol of his rabbinic authority. And he removed that and laid it aside so that he could become servant and wash the disciples' feet. The king of Nineveh, in removing his robe, you know what he was doing? He was setting aside any authority, any power, any justification he could stand on. And he was acknowledging and letting in and being vulnerable to the word of God in his life. We continue into a seventh area. Verse 7 says this, This is the proclamation he, the king, issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Did you catch that last phrase? Let everyone call urgently on God. When was the last time that any of us exercised urgency in turning toward God and calling urgently on Him? I imagine the last time, if, if I think back, the last time I called urgently on God was when I needed something. We're in a situation right now that I know has us calling urgently on God. And should we? Absolutely. He's a God who wants us to depend on Him for everything, but that includes the, the smaller everyday things as well. Let everyone call urgently on God. And for the Ninevites, calling urgently on God was an urgent call to say, God, soften our hearts. Because these, these were a hard-hearted people. And so they called urgently, not for him to do anything for them on their priority list, but to do something for them in their hearts. You see the pattern? These hard hearts were softened in order to, to symbolize and to show the soft heart of the Heavenly Father. And this meant something practical. In fact, it's an eighth area we ought to consider in verse, uh, verse 8 and 9. After saying, let everyone call urgently on God, he said, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Did you catch the specific he said in there? Let everyone give up their evil ways and their violence. This also was very convicting 
because it caused me to stop and think, where are my ways unjust? Where are my ways maybe weighing on somebody else? We've got to consider where we're justifying injustice. Where is that happening? I mean, even as I thought about everything we've seen over the past week, I mean, the main news report is what? The hoarding of toilet paper. And I thought, oh, how silly. How silly. Why would people go hoard toilet paper now of all times? I even, I, I recently just in the last 48 hours have seen five squares of toilet paper. And, and this is a true story. Five squares of toilet paper being sold on eBay for 99 cents for five squares. 130 of those five square blocks have been sold. It's hoarding. It's what our ways, it's what the human condition we tend to do to one another. And I thought, how silly. Uh, first of all, because while everybody's attention is on the toilet paper, do you know how many Oreos I have stocked and hoarded in our house? I am set. And you can buy them for $100 a package. So we all do it. We all, the human heart, wants to hoard something. It wants to grab onto something. And the king is saying, let us all consider our ways where we're running over somebody, where I have to the detriment of somebody else. Then we move into a ninth area that this time in this situation honestly invites us into. Verse 10 of chapter 3 says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Oftentimes, we look at God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament, and you hear people say he's a completely different being from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And if that's the case, then you got to explain this verse to me. Because God, as he looked upon this people, this people that did not know him, and he, he shared his honest word with them, the truth of what would happen to them if they did not repent, if they did not turn from their ways— when they turned from their ways, he turned from what he had planned. That is a merciful God. And here that is in the Old Testament. And I'm reminded, I'm reminded that he's a God who also presents us with the same opportunity, but even more mercifully. Because as he looks upon us, see, for them, it was up to them. And it was up to their own ability to turn their ways around. And they had Jonah warning them. But in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, as he's speaking to the people, he says, Woe to this generation. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment to condemn you because they repented at the warning of Jonah. But now one greater than Jonah is here. Jesus, a Savior who not only, not only stood in our place and took our punishment, but he enables us to turn from our ways and turn toward him and turn toward our Heavenly Father. And then he did the work on our behalf. And so this is an opportunity, if nothing else, to thank our Heavenly Father for his mercy. One final area that this whole situation actually invites us to consider what God's Word is doing in and with our hearts and through our hearts. And, and to get to this area, we have to go all the way back to the end of chapter 2. And it really just speaks to what God's Word looks like when it shows up in our lives, so that we could recognize it. At the end of chapter 2, we discover that when God's Word shows up for the Ninevites, it is disgusting. And it doesn't look all that attractive. Here, here's how it looked for them. Jonah 
chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It vomited Jonah onto dry land. Did you know that sometimes his word shows up in unexpected and overlooked and unattractive ways? I completely understand. We would all love to be inspired by a service right now. We'd all love to be in a room together right now. But sometimes the word shows up in a way that may not be the most ideal for us. Isaiah himself said about Jesus, about the Savior, about the Messiah, that there was nothing beautiful or majestic about him. There was nothing to gaze upon and look upon that had any, anything attractive to it. And oftentimes, over, over the next few days or maybe weeks, possibly months, there are going to be times where the Word's just not going to look all that attractive. For the Ninevites, the Word of God showed up covered in vomit. And one astute young lady uh, in this last week said, wasn't he by the ocean? Couldn't he have rinsed off? And he very well could have. But if it's anything like Gunther Tootie's, after 10 minutes of being in there, I am covered in the smell. I'm covered in everything the air of Gunther Tootie's provides. I have to imagine, even if Jonah washed off, he was still covered in it. But nonetheless, he carried the Word of God. What is all this? What am I getting at with all this? It's one real simple point. That before God shares his message, he is shaping his messengers. Jonah had to go through some shaping and some formation while he was in the fish. And I don't know if the Ninevites went and shared their message elsewhere, but I do know that during this time, during a time where some of us are going to feel pressed in and closed in, we're going to be outside our normal, we're, we're completely disoriented, you have to know that the one you call Heavenly Father and the one you call Savior, Jesus Christ, he is up to the exact same thing he's always been up to. None of this caught him off guard. None of this surprised him. Because God does not just want to bring his message. He wants to shape his messengers. And I, I have to believe that whenever this ends, whether it's a matter of days, weeks, months, that every single one of us is, is being formed to bring a message to the rest of the world. And so I look forward with great anticipation for, for not, just, not just us on an individual level, but the entire church to see what comes as a result of all of this. But please, I invite you to step into the invitation to consider what God's Word is up to in, with, and through your heart, mine as well. And so with that in mind, West Bowles family, you know, I, we have you in prayer. We'll be gathering as leaders this next week to prayerfully determine what next steps are in the weeks to come. Again, I'd invite you to, um, we'll have another communication out on Wednesday. I'd invite you, if you're not on an email list uh, in one of the ministries or from the church, reach out to us so that we can get you on there and keep you updated. Until then, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, you're a God, that uh, you, in the beginning, you had your word and you had a message for the world, but you looked around and said, I need messengers, and you looked upon us, and you smiled, and you invite us into the opportunity to bring your message to the world, and we know to do that, you want to form us. And so, in these coming days, form us with your word. We pray for those affected by this virus. We pray for the caretakers 
who are caring for those with the virus. We, we pray for our leaders at the local, state, and national levels, um, even today as it's been designated as a day of prayer. Give us a reminder, give us a prayerful heart as we do everything we do, shaped by your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. West Bulls, we'll talk to you soon.